Hi, I'm Shay, and welcome to Kombucha and Color. Kombucha and Color is a weekly podcast hosted by me, Shay Dyer, a yoga teacher and creative graphic designer, and Anna Marsh, a functional medicine practitioner and women's health coach with a love of all things health and fitness. This podcast is here to inspire women to embrace health and live life bright. You can find more about me, Shay, at shaydyer.com. You can find out more about me, Anna, at annamarshnutrition.co.uk. And each week we will be bringing you inspiring content for a healthier and happier mind, body, heart, and soul. Hi, it's Anna. Ever since I was a child, I wanted to study the power that food can have on our health. When I started practicing as a nutritional therapist a decade ago, I realized that what is just as important is the relationship that we have with food. This is very often a mirror for the relationship we have with ourselves. Through my own personal journey and health challenges, I was forced to dig deeper and understand things that go beyond just our physical bodies. I learned the importance of working with the whole person to create a balanced body, mind, heart, and soul. I'm now passionate about using my diverse toolbox to help women slow down, take better care of themselves, and ultimately cultivate a life which is a reflection of self-love. If you feel like this is speaking to you, I created a 43-page guide nine steps to love, nourish, and connect with your body to create an energized life with a happy heart and soul. You can download it for free and join my Grounded Goddess community for even more inspiration by visiting groundedgoddess.co.uk forward slash nine, the number, hyphen steps. That's groundedgoddess.co.uk forward slash nine, the number, hyphen steps, S-T-E-P-S. I'm looking forward to seeing you in the community. Hi everyone and welcome to Kombucha and Kala. Um, today we are piggybacking off the previous episode which we did on growth and I think in that episode Shay mentioned a book which is called The Source by Tara Swart and she said on the show that she wanted to kind of dive into that and expand on some of the themes a little bit more. It's all about manifesting. So I'm really just facilitating the conversation today and I have the wonderful Shay here and um, she's here to share with you. So welcome to your show, Shay. Thanks, Anna. It's lovely to be here again. It's hard to say <laughs> show and Shay right after each other. <laughs> Tongue twister. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I wanted to share a little bit more about this book called The Source. And um, it was actually written by a doctor. She was a psychiatrist and then changed her whole career path after being years in the NHS. And she just picked, decided to pick a new career. And her whole journey about getting to this place where she's now really dived into the processes that go on in the brain when we focus on things like manifesting. And one thing that I loved about this book was that it was very practical. So sometimes when we think of manifesting and these sorts of more esoteric things, it can be quite in the magical, mystical realm. And so the one thing that I loved about this book was that it's very practical. And she talks about the source as being your brain. And the one thing that I didn't like about this book was that it is very practical because part of me loves to have this idea that there is some greater force at work and there's something that's beyond our understanding and there's something a little bit mystical, magical about this process. So, and I think both can exist. I think they both can be true at the same time. 
And what I think this book does is make it really grounded in the things that we do know about the brain and the body and the emotions. And sometimes I just want to jump in and say, is I think that sometimes that practical stuff is like the gateway drug for the people who are a little bit more logically minded. And I think I would have maybe come from that place myself where I'm a little bit more, I think, is it right-brained where you are more like practical, logical, it's all about the facts and the figures, quite data-driven. I think that's left brain. Oh, that's left brain. So yeah, someone who's a little bit more left-brained. And it's sometimes we need these access points that are maybe a little bit more like grounded and evidence-based so that we can then start to create a little bit more openness to the magic because... Yeah, I'm all for magic too, but I think maybe in the past I would have needed something a little bit more concrete to get to that place. And I'm glad you bring that up because one of the things that she mentions in this book is, is, and obviously this is a super simplified version, but she recognizes six different neural pathways that the brain can take. And one of those pathways is the logical pathway. But if we are continuously defaulting to that logical pathway, logical pathway, logical pathway, we're only using one of these neural pathways in the brain, whereas we need to be accessing all six in order to have this ability to think outside the box to manifest to create stuff that we are not able to necessarily tangibly cause and affect this and this this and this there's that there's another little there's another little avenue that we can take so we'll look at that and when we get back when we get into this ways of thinking Um, that's actually so interesting that you mentioned those six things and i'm curious to see what you say when you get there because i've been doing a course it's um by dr karazian who is like the most amazing person on the planet like the smartest guy on the planet he's just like amazing he's done this um course which is called save your brain which i've been taking for my own personal learning as well as also for learning the systems the tools all of these things that can help my clients and i I think i'm going to check my notes now but i think he talks about these um six different parts of the brain and then how each part is involved in these different neurological processes Mm. and how you can start to then identify Identify which part of the brain is imbalanced by looking at what symptomology is showing up in your client. So I'm going to leave that hanging, and, and we'll <laughs> and, and we'll come, we'll we'll filter it in when the time is right when you get to those six different areas. Continue, yeah. and then you'll have to do a little recap on the show. We'll have to piggyback off this show when you tell us about your learnings from that brain from um, save the brain. Yeah, save I've the got brain. I've actually got my notebook here now. I'm just going to count if there's six different. Okay. So I'll go ahead and continue on with um, with this. So something that we talk about a lot on the show is um, the work of Joe Dispenza. And one of his main um, premises for manifestation and manifesting and building the life that we want is to have a really clear intention and to marry that with an elevated emotion. So those are the two main components of being able to manifest, like knowing exactly what it is that you want and then matching that emotional state in your body and in your mind and yourself right now in this present moment. So those are the two key components. What Dr. Tara Swart looks at in this book is very much based on the the practical side of it. So she says that there is always selective attention that's going on in the brain. And we know this because we're getting so much information 
all the time that's coming at us from left, right, and center. We're so much stimulus. And just think of in this modern world, like we've got TVs, we've got smartphones, we've got all this stuff that's coming at us all the time. And in order for us to just cope with life, we need to start selectively filtering out information or filtering in information. And we do that by focusing on things that is creating meaning for us. So, so this is something that I also teach in the creativity workshops that I run, and it's a process called latent inhibitions. So over time, if things don't have meaning or impact for you, the brain starts to filter it out. Or when something has no relevance or meaning for you whatsoever, you don't ever take it in to start. So I, I give this little story of when we still lived in Wimbledon, I used to walk to a um, yoga studio in the morning, and I walked probably every single day for a year. And one day I decided to do a walking meditation while I was walking down the street, same path. I hadn't changed my route at all. And on this day that I was doing a walking meditation, I noticed a huge giant salt box, which is they used to put salt on the road when it's snowing. This giant salt box that was on the left side of the, of the pavement, which I had never seen before. And I was like, I have no idea how I had not seen this giant salt box. It's like the size of a car. And just because I had been in this focused state of head down, get to the yoga class, kind of very much attention focused on my mission to get there rather than having this more broader open plane of perspective or awareness of the situation around me, that that softbox completely like filtered out of my awareness so it, and, and you sure like, no one came along and just put a salt box there no I mean it's, it's, it's bolted <laughs> into the ground like it's, okay, just, wow. it's it, yeah, it's like it was amazing and I was just like wow that is phenomenal when I was doing this meditation which invited me to really just be present to be aware to be open to the world around me you know I was seeing things that I had never seen before that had been there the whole time which was just crazy to me um, and that's something also that comes up in another book that I've read called The Luck Factor. And he says, you know, people can determine whether they people determine whether they are lucky or unlucky based on what they are selectively taking in and what they are filtering out. And they did one study at a coffee shop where they asked people to meet them at a coffee shop for this study. But what they didn't tell people was that the experiment was actually started way before the coffee shop and they had left a 10 pound note outside the coffee shop door. And the people who were so focused on getting to this coffee shop, head down, rushing, get there, completely filtered out this 10 pound note that was lying on the floor versus the people who were open, they were aware, they were present, they were a little bit slower. Oh, wow, they've seen this 10 pound note. And they were the people that classified themselves more as the lucky type. So it's just interesting to have that more broad plane of awareness. But what happens in the brain is that the thalamus forms part of what is selected or what's helping us to select different pieces of information, depending on what our framework, what our mental own mental framework is. So if we have a negative framework, and I was trying to think of an analogy for this, like if you are in the sea and you have a certain net, depending on the size of the holes of your net, you're going to catch a certain type of fish or plankton or whatever it is, depending on what you are using to catch it. And that's kind of the framework, the mental framework that you have. If you have this negative mindset, then obviously you're going to select out information that is the positive stuff and you're going to just bring in information that is more related to what your mental state is currently. 
So that's the first level. Then the next level I would say is this open plane of awareness where you are just allowing everything to be. You are present with what is. You can be open to the situations, which let's say you're in a tricky situation. You are not honed into one specific answer or one specific route or one specific way of doing it, but you have this ability to be able to look beyond what's focused here right now in this present moment, but you can open your mind to something that's beyond that. And then the third one is, can you focus on what you do want? And I think the tricky thing with that is that because we want to be focusing on what we do want, it hasn't necessarily happened. And that then requires us to have this ability to visualize or to get clear in a state that is forward thinking rather than just what is already present. And we've got these systems in the brain. We've got these two different systems. And obviously, this is super simplified, but we've got the control network in the brain and we've got the default network in the brain. The control network in the brain is that honed in, um, very focused, vigilant, looking at the, it's almost like, you know, the wood, looking at the wood for the trees in terms of like what we are driven to see. And then we've got the default network of the brain, which is allowing us to think in, in abstraction. And abstraction is the is the processes that are most associated with language and poetry and creative writing and basically all the creative practices. And this is something that I actually read on my intuition workshop that I did recently. I just want to read it for you. So there are multiple and complex networks in the brain. The book ends being the default and the control networks. The brain's default network is what enables us to think in an abstract way. And that is connecting the dots, visualization, poetry, creative use of language. It's the opposite of logical thinking, which is the perfect counterbalance to the wood for the trees feeling that we get when we're mired into thinking logically and functionally about our day-to-day -day tasks or living in stress. Activities like aimless lounging around, daydreaming, pottering, and reading for pleasure, and all the other creative practices that go along with that, that just that process of just creating and also reading for pleasure rather than purpose all activate the default network in the brain. When this network flourishes, inspiration is more likely to strike and we are better able to free associate and harness our emotional intelligence and intuition. So this, this so much of what of, of this work overlaps with creativity, overlaps with intuition. And I'm going to get onto some of the, the stuff where it's very practical, which I think Anna can do as well with some of the nutrition stuff of this. Um, but basically what we're trying to do is create this magnetic desire. And we've, tr we've spoken in the podcast in previous shows about this push versus pull energy. And this magnetic desire is the pull energy. But in order for us to be really pulled by that thing, we need to really feel it in all four quadrants of ourselves. So if you can think of a piece of paper and you might like to draw your page into four, fold your paper in half and then half again, and you may like to put down these four things. You've got the physical, you've got the mental, you've got the emotional, and you've got spiritual. And these four quadrants of yourself are all part of your being. And you want to think, maybe visualize yourself when you were in a situation or an environment where you didn't feel very good or something wasn't going right, or you just felt out of flow, or out of sync. And set your timer for a minute or two and just really relive that experience for yourself, what that felt like for you. Then once you've done that, 
go to all those four quadrants. So your physical quadrant, how did it physically feel in your body? Maybe your shoulders were slumped down and maybe you were feeling a heaviness in your chest or your legs were feeling tired or you were just feeling overwhelmed, exhausted. Um, your mental, maybe you were really scattered. Your brain was going left, right and center. There's lots of stuff processing. Maybe it's just feeling so busy. Um, you're emotional. Maybe you're feeling really depressed or low or you were crying or there's some kind of an emotional response that, that happened in the body. And spiritual, maybe you feel a little bit disconnected from your purpose. You feel a little bit lost. Um, you don't have any meaning or sense of worth or um, that deeper sense of, of knowing. So make a list of those things and then turn the paper over and do the same exercise again for a positive experience in your life. So something where you really felt like you were in flow, things were going well, like um, this was all happening, going smoothly, something that you really felt elevated about. And then write down those same things again. So physicality, maybe you feel a lightness in your body or a chest feels nice and open or your shoulders feel relaxed, your jaws unclenched or um, your face feels like it's smiling or there's warmth in your body. Mentally, maybe you feel very calm, very present. There's a sense of um, focus. There's a sense of clarity. You're not busy in your brain. Emotionally, maybe you just also, again, feel that sense of peace, feel, feel a sense of relief. And there might be excitement. There might be enthusiasm. There might be joy. And maybe spiritually, you feel really connected. You feel on purpose. You feel like you are doing something that is worthwhile in the world. So just make a list of those things. And that will be a really good guide for you to start knowing what it feels like in your body when you are connected to a feeling or an emotion that is going to pull you forward with that magnetic desire. And when you can start to recreate those emotional states based on the visualization that you are wanting to draw in towards yourself, that is when manifestation starts to happen. As you were just giving those two examples, I think of myself today versus the last time we recorded this podcast. <laughs> so the last time we recorded this podcast was only four days ago because we switched the schedule up just because of my personal travels and things like that. But when Shay logged on to the last podcast, logged on to Zoom for us to record, she was confronted by me in tears, just feeling like completely overwhelmed and foggy and exhausted and emotional and not being able to think clearly and spiritually very, very disconnected. And I think this is also like a testament to the importance of self-care and looking after yourself because now obviously the weekend has happened. It's Monday morning. I have taken rest and nourishment and topped up my batteries. And now I'm feeling clear and energized and emotionally stable and more spiritually connected and yeah that, that was no good to anyone last over <laughs> a few days ago but today I'm like you know ready to pull towards me the next the next step in my life or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. and that that piece of self-care is something that I want to talk about but now I think she has five different and um, very clear things about self-care, but just on those piece of those four different quadrants. And this is something that I spoke about in my intuition workshop with those four different quadrants, the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual, write down a list of 
five to 10 things that you can do that you know nourishes those four different aspects. So physical, it can be your body. So as you've mentioned, like rest, um, nourishing your body with good food can also be your physical environment. So perhaps you need to do a house clean, you need to tidy up stuff, like get outside, get outside, be in nature. And all of these things, they can, they all overlap with one another. So nothing exists in isolation. So physically it might be exercising, but exercising might also be on your list for mental like what is your mental thing that helps you get clear mentally that could be also be exercising could be getting outside it could be um, slowing down meditation meditation um, your emotional stuff maybe it is going and having a really loud scream or a big old cry and let it all out or whatever it is like whatever supports your emotional self maybe it's taking a yoga practice maybe it's meditation maybe it's moving your body to release that emotion and then spiritually how can you connect to something that's bigger than yourself maybe it's just journaling maybe it's sitting in prayer or meditation whatever your personal or getting clear again on your purpose, like whatever it is, write down a list of those things that, that really support each of those four categories so that when you feel discordant of what's going on, you can bring yourself back to those those four things and you have this little, almost like a little toolbox checklist for you to, to bring yourself back into alignment with those things. So what she talks about so important in relation to ability to manifest is the self-care portion. And she's got five very specific things. And I thought this is Anna would be a good space where you can jump in with any of your always um, happy to jump yeah. in functional med step. But I'll just go over the first thing. So she's got the first one is rest, the second one is fuel, then hydrate, then oxygenate, and then environment. So the rest is seven to eight hours of sleep per night. And I know that it's not always easy for us to get. I'm like, I'm on 89 now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what is your best bedtime ritual? I don't really have one. I'm, I'm really good. At, I've always been like this since I was a child. Like mom, I was like such a good child for my mom because I was just like, I'm taking myself to bed now. <laughs> That's just the type <laughs> of child that I was. So I just take myself to bed. I think... Speaking of push versus pull, because I remember actually having a conversation with someone on a retreat, one of the retreats we ran about this, but like for me, I know that if I have slept well, I am more like all the things we've just talked about, like more physically well, more mentally well, more emotionally well, more spiritually well. And that is my preferred way to show up in the world. Each week we get incredible feedback about our episodes of Kombucha and Color. We know our show is touching, inspiring, and helping hundreds of women, and we would like to reach even more. Can you help? You can help other women find the inspiration that you have found if you head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. If you screenshot your review and share it on Instagram stories or your Instagram feed tagging myself, Anna, Shay, or Kombucha and Color, we'll send you a wonderful restful yoga nidra practice to download so you can find some peace and calm in your day or a better night's sleep at night. Additionally, everyone who enters and leaves a review and shares it on Instagram will be put into a lucky prize draw to win a copy of my Beat the Bloat guide and Shay's yoga guide. You can love your body from the inside out with 174 pages, including over 100 pages of recipes, which walk you through my 28-day digestive reset process. 
This is perfect if you want to reset your body, address any unwanted health symptoms, or support your skin, hormones, energy, and digestion. Shay's 173-page yoga guide includes 116 pages of detailed pose analysis. It will give you all the tools you need to teach yourself yoga so you can sequence, practice, and flow safely in your very own home. Remember, all you need to do is go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, screenshot the review, and share it on Instagram stories or your Instagram feed tagging myself, Anna underscore Marsh underscore nutrition, Shay at Indie Yoga Life, or kombucha and color, kombucha underscore and underscore color. Head on over and do that right now before you forget, and then your yoga nidra practice will be on its way. So for me, it's an absolute no-brainer to just take myself to bed at an appropriate time, which I know is good for me, because it's just the pull. It's just the pull to show up from the best place the next day. And that's not to say that sometimes there aren't pulls in other directions, like sometimes <laughs> when you're when you're with people or it's a special occasion, but like I would say in day-to-day life, just kind of going through you know, daily routines, the pull to sleep well so that I can show up as my best self is just strong. Yeah, interesting. I'm the total opposite. Like I would be up, up, up late at night, like doing work or whatever. When And this is also going back to like teenage years, childhood. And my parents would be like, okay, Shay, it's time to go to bed, time to go to bed. Okay, okay, okay. Get into my bedroom. They turn all the lights off. The house is locked up. Everyone's asleep, and I'm still in my room, awake with my light on, like doing what I need to do and doing my things. <laughs> so my sister is like you. She yeah. like her preferred bedtime would be like two or three in the morning. I think yeah. you've said that before. And I think I don't think there's a right or wrong way to be at all. I I just think that society doesn't necessarily allow for us mm. to have our natural rhythms unless we create that space for ourselves. And what I like about going to bed early is because I also like waking up early and I love that morning time when everybody else is still asleep and it's quiet and I think I read on Instagram because Instagram is obviously the most reliable and valid source <laughs> but, um, but like if you're empathetic it's because there's less external energies around it can be quite calming to have that quiet space and for me I take that in the morning but maybe for you that's just your most creative time because there are less energies around late at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind um, of a little bit of a tangent. But. Yeah, but but rest. I think rest and sleep is important, and that's this is the first thing that you said. You know, your body has needs this so much as. Oh, let me start that again. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much disease and things like dementia and Alzheimer's linked to lack of sleep. And it's because the processes that kind of clear out and flush out the body uh, take seven to eight hours. And we need that time to let the body have its cleansing process, whatever is going on in the body that can flush out stuff that's been built up through stress, through alcohol, through environment. It it needs that time to really get that out and through the body. Totally. yeah. Yeah. Even when I did my psychoneuroimmunology training, um, one of the things I remember from doing the course was they said, you first of all got to fix someone's circadian rhythm, which is, you know, the, the rhythm of light and dark, sleep and wakefulness. 
because otherwise, you know, you're like peeing in the wind or <laughs> swimming against the tide, you know, um, the very, very first thing you really want to work on with people is, is their sleep. And with my clients now, I actually make them like keep a spreadsheet of, of course, with all their <laughs> information, but like I, I get them to log how many hours of sleep they're having each night. And if someone's not getting well and they're only having five or six hours of sleep, regardless of anything else they're doing, I'm not going to beat them up about what they're eating or if they're exercising enough or whatever. The most important thing in my opinion is that they get into a good sleep routine. Mm. And that's so tricky because people who are so busy, like I think of Warren, he wakes up so early to get his exercise in that he has to be at work at seven. So then it's like, he's missing out the sleep in order to exercise. So it's like, Oh, it's a, it's a big um, opportunity or it's like a cost on both sides, I guess. So, yeah, but he's, yeah. it seems like he's resilient so far. He's well, so, you know, long may that last. And I mm-hmm. think it's uh, people only really start to make changes when there's a problem. Yeah, that is true. That is true. So the next one that she mentions is fuel. And um, she obviously we know, yeah, this is Anna's like doing a little jig here. But obviously we know like in broad sense what food is good for us and what food is not good for us. You know, unprocessed stuff is best for us. But you know, sugar, yeah, sugar and saturated fat is obviously things we should have in moderation. She recommends upping your green leafy vegetables, which we've spoken about on the show many times, and specifically good fats, so salmon and avocado. Um, and then she also said a teaspoon of coconut oil a day, which I was like, that sounds like a lot. And then, you know, substituting your sweets and sugary snacks for nuts and seeds because of that, that good fat being really important for brain development. So I don't know if you want to add anything in on that point. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, nutrition does need to be personalized, but I think you're completely right. Is we all, we all kind of do know as a general sense, like what good food is and what, what's not so good for us. And I think where the personalization comes in is like what balance, because some people will be more carb tolerant or some people may need to go full blown ketogenic like myself. And, and that's the approach that I've actually been using to get my brain to function better. But, you know, as individuals, we'll all be along that spectrum, but everything that you've mentioned, that's all just good, wholesome, unprocessed food. And the more we can eat plants, a diversity of plant fibers and get in those whole and unprocessed foods. I always say to my clients, you're doing better than probably 90% of the planet. Mm-hmm. So good. So the other thing that she talks about, this is the third step is hydration. And the brain is made of I'm Your like favorite laughing. Shay. I don't know my favorite. I'm like yesterday I, saw, I had three glasses of water and I'm like said to one, I'm like, this is my third glass of water. Like it's so Was it so a pints proud. glass or just <laughs> no. a regular glass? Just a regular glass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> did you have some herbal teas, maybe? I had Roy Boss twice. So So that's go. another two. So yeah, people also two. and also I think like if you I'm um, I'm just trying to make you feel good now. But, um, <laughs> Also, if you do eat a lot of plants, I I think what you also want to acknowledge is that there's a lot of water in Mm. plants as well. So Mm. really the best indicator of hydration is to look at the color of your urine. And so if you're going to the bathroom and you're urinating, if your urine is tending towards like a, a darker yellow 
or, or brown, you're definitely dehydrated. But I think often we think it's eight, eight glasses of water a day because that's what we're told in main media. But we have to think if you're eating a soup or you're having a smoothie or you're having some herbal tea and then you have your three glasses of water, what is the color of your urine and using that? Mm, mm, mm. And actually one of her points that she said is that increase your intake of things like cucumber and melon because mm. that is obviously that water content inside the foods that we're eating. Obviously swapping caffeinated drinks and for, for herbal tea and then monitor exactly you can monitor your urine and things like that and then she was saying that even a one to three percent decrease in hydration has a negative impact on focus memory and attention which was just like crazy i just got the study that they they had done based on dehydration and they showed that dehydration was shown to be akin to driving at the legal alcohol limit in terms of its impacts on concentration and reflexes and just just crazy they you know they they let people have a little sip of alcohol for an hour and one per hour versus somebody who was well well hydrated and they made the same number of mistakes on this course that people who were driving at the legal drink drive limit which was just crazy so yeah hydrate your brain so that your brain can function because the brain is made up of water predominantly um, so the fourth one was oxygenate. And obviously we know that um, aerobic exercise is really good for oxygenate, oxygenating the brain um, and the body, obviously. So walking or doing some kind of um, aerobic exercise where we can bring more oxygen in. And I wanted to add on the oxygenation front. Um, oh, I think we touched on this before, but um, oxygenation is really important um, in terms of the health of our, our red blood cells, which transport oxygen around the body and we touched on that when we did the pain and fatigue episode and I talked about the blood testing and the importance of iron and B12 and folate in terms of making our red blood cells yeah having the nutrients which create those healthy cells and then allow for the transportation of oxygen so this is super important for the health of our brain mm. Mm. And then apart from exercise, like pranayama is such a good way to get oxygen into the system. So breath work or just, and I know it sounds like, you know, certainly when I started my yoga journey and one of the teachers said to me, you know, that sometimes people's yoga practice is just an hour of breathing. And I was like, that is weird. I would not go and pay an hour to go and breathe with somebody. And then last weekend, I'm doing it. <laughs> it's just the way of like, as you get deeper into this, you realize, wow, it's, it's, it matters. It all matters. And it's also um, that pull when you feel the benefits of it. And then you're like, oh, I just want to feel like some days I just sit on my mat and I'm like, I really feel like pranayama today. And like, you just do it because you, you feel the benefits from the practice. Mm, mm. And one thing they looked at was a study that they did in Texas on the impact of high intensity exercise on a protein called BDNF. And what that says, what that um, stands for is brain derived neurotrophic factor which means the growth of nerve cells. I'm reading this from the book. And what she discovered is that the high intensity exercise has a real positive impact on this hormone that, or sorry, this, this protein that can help grow the nerve cells. So brain cell survival, repair, mood regulation, cognitive function, learning, and memory. And lack of this can also lead to things like depression, schizophrenia, and dementia, things that, you know, obviously we don't want to go down that path. But having walking and other aerobic exercises is also great for adding in that oxygen to the system. But we also need to make sure that we are varying our exercise and we are including some high intensity stuff so that we can vary it up. Something that was scary that came from this book is that they did tests on the quality of 
air in central London and they realized that the quality of air in central London is the same as smoking four cigarettes a minute. So if you are doing that, if you're exercising in central London or on busy streets or on pavements, then you may be actually counter, you may be inhibiting the function or the, you may be inhibiting the work of this protein BDNF because of the quality of air that you are breathing in. That's so it, crazy. Crazy. I know. I was like, I can't believe it. And the study, I actually marked it in the back of the book so that I could, um, it's a study done by Abbott and Steadman, 2005, called the primary nitrogen dioxide emissions from road traffic. And you can go look it up. It's like a study that they did. I mean, that is insane. That's so, why I live by the beach. And yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we have this beautiful sea air. Yeah. So if you are walking, if that is your chosen way of getting oxygen into the system, then if possible, do it out in a park or do it out away from the busy roadsides or in your house where it's a little bit more um, cleaner air or get systems that can purify your air in some way. So yeah. I don't know all the details on, sorry, you were going to say? I said, yeah, the air pollution decreases your levels of BDNF, that protein. Yeah. And I think if you live in a city, um, I don't know the the details, but um, you could potentially also think about certain house plants help to purify the air in your home. So I don't know which one specifically, but um, if that's something which is of concern to you, you can always think about having some little friends that grow in your home that can help to improve the quality of your air. Yeah, I love that. And then the last one was environment. So that is, is my workspace at home? Is it clean and clear? And do I feel like I've got mental clarity? And I think people have different tolerance for mess states. So I think that's also something that's personal to people. But yeah, just creating a space that is very clear, that gives you some time to, or gives you the mental clarity. And then also it can be things like deleting apps off your phone. So like we pick up our phone, we've got so much, like I don't know for myself, like in my photos I've got so much like stuff that just comes at me from all these different whatsapp groups and just have a little cleanse out of that or go home this weekend or next weekend whenever you're um, listening to this and clear out sort out your cupboard like get rid of stuff like have a massive clear out cleanse out to give yourself a little bit of that breathing space so yeah those are the six those are the five things that um, she recommends to create the self-care for you and then I wanted to talk about those six ways of thinking. So those six ways of thinking that um, I spoke about at the beginning to help us create more of a whole brain approach to life. Because when we are stuck in one particular groove, we can't pull ourselves out and then we can't access the full capacity of source or the source, which she translates as the brain. Whether you believe source to be something higher or bigger, it doesn't matter. So these are obviously super simplified, but we've got the emotional pathway, we've got the physicality, we've got gut instinct and intuition, we've got motivation and we've got logic, and then we've got creativity. And those are six different pathways. The gut instinct, intuition, logic and creativity are all more internal because they are something that's going on within us. And the emotional physicality and motivation are more external because they are, have impact on the world around us and the people that we engage with. So if you think about yourself, you may be dominant in one of these areas. And like an example that's, that she gives, say you see a colleague or someone, a friend, and as you're seeing them, you have some kind of emotional response. So that might be, oh, a sense of jealousy. This person's got a promotion and you feel this emotional response of jealousy. But then you remember that actually you've got good memories together and you feel this 
feeling of fondness towards them because they're a good friend of yours. So that's the emotional quality. Physicality, you might have like a warmth spread about you or you might have like a lightness in your step as you start to come into contact with this colleague or friend. Um, so notice that that might be a physical. And this is all happening like in an instant. We don't actually break it down like this, but it's just automatic. Then your gut instinct intuition, as you get close to this person, you might have this feeling like she's carrying a lot or there's a lot of stress going on or there's something that is really like clouding or feeling like heavy about this person and you need to like let her know that you're there to support her. Motivation, and that is our resiliency towards getting our goals. So maybe she's just got a job promotion and then you have a little bit of that kickstart of, oh, motivation, I also need to be getting that and I want to get motivates you, kickstarts you into that mode of thinking, like getting you a little bit clearer and further in your goals logic you might automatically when you see the person think oh yeah she's got a promotion or she's got a presentation this afternoon i must wish her good luck or say congrats or um, you have this logical like deduction that goes on when you're in in contact with them and then creativity so that is a bit of the visualization piece maybe you're visualizing you and her at the office party in the future or you're visualizing her as one of your bridesmaids at your wedding or some kind of future planning for this person so if you think about the last interaction that you had with somebody or a colleague or someone that's come into your life, what was your dominant response? Was it an emotional response? Was it an intuitive response? Was it a physical feeling in your body? Was it something that made you feel motivated or driven? Did you have like a logical response of thinking back to what had happened and what's coming? Or was it a creative pathway where you could visualize something between you or something that's going to happen in the future? Once you have kind of narrowed down which is more your dominant um, pathways and which are your least dominant pathways, you can start creating changes that can bring up those other different areas or aspects of your life and your brain. So yeah, that is kind of my summary of all the key components that are useful for us in order to be able to manifest. Once we've got all of these clear, then it's about sitting down, visualizing, getting really clear on what it is that we want and then putting these things in practice so that we can sit in meditation, we can be really clear about it, have that emotional response, have that physical response in the body, have that spiritual connection to it so that we are magnetically pulled to that thing. And that thing is also pulled to us through this selective attention that, that we are doing, that we are using anyway. So we may as well use that selective attention for something that is positive for our lives. So just for clarity, can you explain a little bit like this link between these six different areas and then using how you use them to manifest? So what she's saying is that if we are dominant in one specific area, so let's say we are logic dominant. So we see a friend and suddenly we remember, oh, it's their birthday on whatever, and it's this, this, this logical thing. If we are running our lives in logic state only, then we are forfeiting those five other pathways or those five other networks of the brain, whichever way you want to look at it. But in order for us to be able to manifest the things that we want in our lives, we have to have a whole brain integrated approach. So it has to involve the physicality. It has to involve the creativity. It has to involve the intuition. It has to involve the emotional state. Whereas if, and I think logical is quite a, quite a, a nice one because it, it, we can see how we can easily get stuck in logic. If we want to, let's say we want to manifest a new job for ourselves or some kind of new career path, and we are stuck in this logic pathway or we are stuck in this logic network, 
we will never leave our job because we are stuck in this. No, but this and this money has got to come in from here and I don't have the qualification. And we get very much trapped in that logical framework. Whereas if we can let that, we still need that logical framework because that logical framework forms part of one of our decision-making processes because yes, we need to actually logically think about how we're going to have income for ourselves and for our life because we need money to live. But when we can let that soften a little bit and let the other, other networks or pathways come up, how can we visualize a future that is really compelling, that can bring in a new income? How can we be emotionally connected to this new vision for ourselves? How can we physically create an environment that is conducive to us being in that new state or that new visualization that we are pulling in? How can we be motivated to get past the logical, no, I can't do that because of not earning enough or not being connected to a qualification or whatever it is, but can we soften that pathway and can we allow the others to come up so that we can have this whole brain integrated approach, which is what allows us to really be pulled towards that thing. What's does that coming, answer your question? It does. And what's coming up for me, as you're saying, that is um, what we've talked about in the show previously, which is this idea of your mind conditions becoming greater than your life conditions. So and it's interesting because this is all about the source, which is the brain. And then we're talking about the mind. Um, so the it's it's thinking bigger than your current reality. And if your current reality is stuck in logic, your energy is stuck in a certain place. And so as you start to think bigger, because you're tapping into the physicality, the creativity, all these different areas, which you mentioned, you are now, now we're getting back on the woo-woo train, but now you are changing the energy in your body. Like you cannot access those other areas without something shifting energetically in your body and it and you become a different person as a consequence and that's like the whole idea of this identity shift that must take place in order to achieve something that you've never achieved before so totally on board it all makes sense yeah yeah and it's that and because you're being a different person your selective attention becomes different because you're in a different place energetically so what you are filtering out before what sorry let's do it this way what you were filtering in before life is really tough all these things are challenging i've got this lack hard, mentality. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's not there's no abundance i'm always in scarcity mode like this is what you're filtering in when you shift internally to create a different state of being within yourselves based on those six different pathways of a different physicality a different emotional state different motivation different logic different creativity then you are a different being. You have a different energetic sense, which means that you're filtering in different life circumstances, even though the situations, the external environment may not have changed. But you've what changed. You, yeah, you've <laughs> changed. And what you are filtering in matches what you are thinking, feeling, and being. So I guess it's the science of, of what's going on in manifestation if we take out the the magic, magic of it but but there's magic in it as well like yeah, I was gonna say, of course there's still magic there's a little bit of both so yeah, yeah that's yeah. amazing yeah. i was also just going to add that the the what i referred to at the beginning with the different areas of the brain um and how and how you can look at symptoms to understand which areas of the brain may be imbalanced or in a state of atrophy doesn't really overlap with your six years. <laughs> um, but it does create some inspiration for a future podcast, which is to look at these different areas of the brain and then how we can reflect on things which are showing up in our lives and, and use that as information to inspire work we can do to improve our health and well-being long-term. Well, I look forward to hearing that. Yeah. 
And thank you so much for listening as always. Um, Feel free to share this podcast with your friends or leave us a review. We really do appreciate it. And we'll see you And it helps with our iTunes ratings, which means Mm. more people find us and um, you you get to have a part in spreading the love. Thank you. See you next week, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Kombucha and Color. If you have enjoyed or been inspired by our conversations today, please leave a five-star review on Stitcher or iTunes. Don't forget to share with friends and family. This will help other women find inspiration to live life bright. We'd love to connect with you on social media. Come find me, Shay, by searching Shay Dyer Yoga on Facebook or Instagram. You can find me, Anna, by searching Anna Marsh on Facebook or Instagram. And remember, you can always refer to the links in the show notes. See you next week. Hi, it's Shay here. Take a moment right now to reflect on how you measure a successful day for yourself. For a long time, I measured the success of my day based on the number of Instagram likes or followers I gained, the money I made, or the amount of love or praise I received. Whilst these are wonderful things to desire, using them as a metric of success left me feeling really depleted. It was only after some honest soul searching that I've truly shifted my metrics so that now I define my success on whether I'm able to answer yes to the following three questions. Have I moved my body today? Have I breathed or sat in stillness today? Have I created something today? Move, breathe, create. When I focus on these as measures of a successful day, I am able to really slow down get out of the busyness of my head, back into my body, and manifest things from a really authentic place. What's even crazier is that when I focus on these three things, all the other shiny pennies, the money, the praise, the followers, the likes, they all flow into my life with such ease as a result of me being in an energized, calm, creative, and aligned state. It's completely changed my outlook on life, and it's made me a much happier person. I really want to share all my tools with you so that you too can manifest the things you want in your life from this energized, calm, creative, and aligned state and feel really happy whilst doing it. Come and join me at movebreathecreate.com where you will find ways to energize your body and calm your mind along with creative tutorials and techniques to get you into that creative, manifesting state. Most yoga studio monthly memberships cost upwards of £100 a month, and you can join me over at movebreathecreate.com, where you can find not only yoga practices and tutorials, but also workbook downloads, community, meditations, soul work, journal ideas, creative prompts, and inspiration, all for less than £10 a month. It's like your own personal yoga retreat space. Come connect back to your body, mind, and soul with me at movebreathecreate.com. I look forward to seeing you inside of the community.